You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. But in this in this uh, conference that we went to to learn more about our responsibility, uh, one of the speakers was Anne Hesh's mother. Apparently she was very, very religious, and she was, whereas Anne was not. And so her responsibility was to talk to us about... Um, you know, what she went through, how she dealt with certain things. And she said basically two things. She said, I prayed for my daughter all the time, number one. Number two, I love my daughter all the time. And I'll touch on that in a few minutes. And so he, she said, that's all I did for, for my daughter. I loved her, and I prayed for her. And shortly thereafter, um, she received a phone call from Anne. And she said, Mom, I just want you to know that I'm no longer in the relationship with Ellen DeGeneres. It, it was broken off. And, and, and uh, Ellen did, I mean, uh, uh, Anne did become, she did go straight. So I would say, number one, love them. What does that mean? I'll, I'll touch on that. But number two, pray for them. Because it is a spiritual thing that we're, we're, we're dealing with. And the reason I know it's spiritual, when he came out, um, as far as being uh, addressing his issue, one night we were at his at his home before he went to rehab. We were at his home, and this is when everything was going down. I mean, it was just hell on earth, to be honest with you. And so um, he was set to go to rehab. Uh, not yet. Was wasn't that the time he was set to go to rehab? Right. Before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, right before you went, you you had the the deliverance. Right? And details. Again, here we go with details. But anyway, he, he, was, he was sitting, I mean, his, his, his uh, uh, head was on his mother's lap. And so we started praying for him. And all of a sudden, that spirit started manifesting. Uh, he was frozen in place. His neck started bulging out. He does not remember any of this. Started bulging out. You could hear him gurgling. And all I could hear from him was, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. But he couldn't move. And so we knew that we were dealing with the demonic at that point. And so I just, you know, did what I believe what the Word of God says, and, and I dealt with that demon. And then at one point I commanded Daniel to stand up. And as soon as he stood up, it, all, it, was, it was completely gone. Completely gone. So you are dealing with, with, uh, with a dynamic, uh, demonic. As far as love, the LGBTQ, uh, that whole uh, 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 arena, they, they believe in that God is love. They'll tell you that. And because God is love, then there is no reason why you or myself should either condemn them, and the church does. Uh, the way we treat them is not the way God would treat you and I, even though we may not be in the lifestyle, but we were in sin. And the Bible calls that sin. And so uh, they're, they're looking. They're looking for someone to accept them. They're looking for someone to love them. Unfortunately, right now, the love is uh, misconstrued. It, it, it is perverted, uh, me, meaning it's twisted, okay? But if you and I go and we love them as per the Word of God, not give in to what they're doing. See, there's a difference between the person and their behavior. They may not be born again, but I have to look at them as a person that will be born again. And so because of that, my responsibility is to see them the way God sees them, which is I sent my son for them. That's their identity their behavior is completely different so i'm going to speak to their identity and so uh with him i would send him scripture 
But then again, that's my son and I. And sometimes with others, I would just send them a word of encouragement, a word of acceptance, a word of love, not believing or standing with their behavior, but I was speaking to their heart. So I would say to you, that's what you want to do. Speak to the heart, love them, uh, don't give in to their behavior, and, 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 and pray for them and see what God does. I believe God will move. Um, I've learned over the last year and a half that when it comes to revelation or what the word says or what God wants us to do or anything, it's very simple. We as humans overcomplicate everything. So when it comes to how to deal with, with, with your classroom and, your, and the, what you're dealing with on, on the campus, we have authority. So I don't know what freedoms you have to be, or if you could do this, but we have authority to, to, to pray against that, that, that spirit. We have authority to break those strongholds. We have authority to, and me personally, first thing I thought of, well, if you can get in that classroom before your classroom starts, pray. Pray in the spirit. Go walk around. Declare God's word. That's what I do at my job. Anytime there's something spiritual going on at my job, I have, but I have the right to go, the freedom to go into my office before we open, but I'll go in and I'll do that. Um, that's simple things. Two, uh, going back to what, what dad said about love, um, in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about how God, I know how Jesus never, you never heard him protesting in the streets. You heard him, he never had to declare or, or yell or use his voice to, to win people over. How did he win people over? How did he change that whole generation? He loved them. He honored them. He gave them value. And when you honor them and give them value, that is what's going to change them. We try to change them because we want to change them. Or that's our nature. Well, let me change you. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you that. No, 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 no. Let's take it. Let's keep it simple. Show them that they have value. Show them that, that what God, how God loves them. Speak into their identity. Uh, it's, and it's just simple things. you got to pray and figure out what would be, you know, each person's going to be different. But, but as long as we stay surrendered to what God wants and how he wants to flow through you to them, watch that, watch that campus change. Amen. I, I just want to address that what you're feeling on that campus is so aggressive right now that it's, it almost feels... Um, they're so brazen. The witchcraft, you're right. The, the, they feel they have a voice. They feel they're, they're going for it. Just the spiritualism. But I want you to know that as they bow down to these gods and as they bow down to these spirits, the only thing that can stop any of this is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So just as simple as Daniel said, we come from a very new age, witchcrafty area. So I've learned a long time ago when I saw the witchcraft or I saw the torment, all we have to do is walk through that campus and say, I forbid you to speak in the name of Jesus. Underneath your voice, I forbid you to speak in the name of Jesus. You'll see them stumble. And I want to say, you're going to be amazed of what God's going to do because you don't have to, it's like we were saying in the last class, we don't have to be yelling. We don't have to be boisterous. We don't have to show off. We don't have to do anything. All we have to do is, under our breath, begin to bind those spirits. They won't understand it. The other thing that they can't stand is the worship and the praise, the clapping of the hands. When, we, when I used to pray for Daniel, and remember, this isn't just a one-time intercession 
of prayer. This is an actually outcry of being led by the Lord, but I would spend times an hour in worship in my bedroom, just worshiping God, clapping my hands because I, I, I was taught by Pastor Juan that when we clap our hands, we're actually reverberating the presence of God and it breaks things that they can't handle. And so you need to see that sometimes that you're just you being you, you've got Jesus Christ in you, but it's not you. It's the authority of the kingdom of God. Why does God have us pray? Father, I adore you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Just praying the Lord's prayer and then sitting back, the most violent weapon you can use against all of this is your faith and your rest in Jesus Christ. He's already won it. He's already won it. That's your most violent thing you can do. So when you worship God before, you, let's say you go to class and you walk through the, I would say spend 20 minutes in just praying in the spirit, 20 minutes. Like he said, they don't need to hear you, see you. They don't have to know, but they're going to know the atmosphere's changed. They won't be able to operate like they did before because Jesus Christ has authority and power over them. So they're not going to understand what's going on. So right now they, they're very brazen. They think they're very, uh, they're, they're winning, but I'm telling you, and they and I want to give you two scriptures that I want you to declare. It's Psalms 144. It's when David declared against Goliath. He teaches our hands to war and our fingers to fight. I would, I declare not only that scripture for my son, the chapter, I pray the whole chapter. I declare it for my son. I declare it for families. I declare it for our church, our region, and our nation. And I cry out from that depth that I know that Jesus, we can't fix what's going on right now in this darkness and this oppression that's coming in and all these gods that are starting to pop up and everybody's worshiping everything and they're being all this chaos. But when truth comes into the chaos, it brings order. So that's what you're praying in. So you declare that word, Psalms 144, and then you cry out to God, Psalms 107, so that people's pain won't lead them. And that when he sends his word, he heals them. And we cry and we lift up our holy hands and we thank you, Lord, for your, your goodness and your kindness endures forever. It's, it's lifting up our holy hands. We're believing God. You have to believe God. You've got to enter into rest that your faith is enough. And it's not just a one-time thing. You go in there every day praying, putting on the armor of God, but you pray Psalms 107 and you pray Psalms 144 and you say, I'm going in God, because unless the Lord leads you out, you, you go where you need to go. But until God shows you different, you go in prepared and don't you be intimidated. Don't you be in fear and you are a light in that darkness. Thank you. Real, real quick, to, to, I like it that you brought up witchcraft. I, um, witchcraft, and I didn't realize, well, I did, but I didn't. And this is how messed up I was. Um, witchcraft is prevalent in the gay community, gay community. I would always talk to guys, and half of them would, I would like, we'd be really interested, and we'd get to know each other, and they'd be like, oh, I'm Wiccan. Son of a biscuit. I'd get mad because I know, well, now I can't date you because you're into witchcraft. But here I am in the lifestyle. It was messed up. My, my point is, my point is that Wiccan and witchcraft, 
I, I had to research why is it so prevalent in the community is because Wiccan's very accepting of all things. Wicca. Wicca, Wiccan, whatever. Is it Wiccan? Wicca? Wicca. It's very accepting. So that's how the enemy is, is infiltrating through the different avenues. It is saying, oh, well, witchcraft used to be this really bad thing, but now it's not because it's accepting. It's accepting your lifestyle. It's accepting who you are. So that's why you're feeling it very heavy, especially on a college campus, because it's it, there's a lot of, 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 I'll leave it at that. So. Amen. Any other questions? Okay. Um, Daniel, I just really want to know what for you, what was that moment where you finally had your breakthrough and was like, uh, this is it. You're, well, what was that turning point like for you and what happened? Um, a mother's prayer. Let's go back. A mother's prayer is the most powerful thing. And I knew that. Again, I was, that's how messed up I was. I knew certain things in the, uh, how powerful things were in the scripture, but yet I was still living this. So I would go around not doing certain things, knowing that I didn't want to piss off my mom or piss off God. Because I... So uh, it was about six months prior to the whole everything coming down. Um, something, they had caught me again with drugs. And I, uh, they didn't, mom finally said, I'm done. I'm done. And she go and she said she goes, I'm gonna pray. I want you to know that Dad and I did everything we could to come alongside our son, to help him. It was such a revelation to me, to say, Daniel, we can no longer. We're not. We're not enough. Our love isn't enough. We're, we're still enough. gonna be there. We can't. You need to figure out how to get yourself some help. But I'm going to pray. And th I was shaking when I said this. I'm going to pray even if it takes the police. Crap. <laughs> oh, I knew because I knew. Look, it, it, remember, I had multiple accidents. I should have been killed in a rollover accident. I should, you know, all these things never stopped my lifestyle. Now, death didn't scare me. But God knows how to get to each person's heart. God knows how to shake their world with that we wouldn't even know. He knows how to do it. The police was it. I was terrified to ever get arrested or to be put into jail. So mom said that to me, and I said, stop, stop. Uh-uh. I said, I'll get my life together. Just don't, please don't pray that prayer. God, please don't pray that prayer. So she said, okay. I was like, thank God. Did I get my life together? No. So Christmas came around, and I got busted again by my parents. Not it wasn't two months no no, it was a day before my birthday, eleventh. So maybe a month and a half, I got raided, and that my house got raided. Um, nothing like having fifteen police armed with rifles pointing at you, and I have no idea what the heck's going on. The helicopter going across, the SWAT team out there. I mean it, but that's what it took. So at that moment. I was like, okay, God, here you go. Take it. I can't even I can't even do this anymore. Because for years I had surrendered, or I thought I had surrendered, but really what I was doing is I was saying, Yeah, I heard God, take all these bad things, but I'm gonna keep a little bit down here. Well, when you do when you do that, you're actually saying, God, you're not good enough, you're not big enough, you're not worthy enough, you're not you're not powerful enough to take and heal what I was going through. So when that fails, I'm gonna go back to this. I did every single time. 
Um, so my moment was when mom prayed the prayer, the most powerful prayer mom could pray. Because wh why is it powerful? It's because not only did I have to surrender, she had to surrender. Yes, they had to surrender. Details. They had to surrender. Because, and I even had this moment, I had this revelation uh, maybe eight months ago, and I was sitting there, and mom was in the living room, and I was doing something. And um, I had, me and God were have, was having this conversation about this, that whole moment. And I said, and God said, I thought, I had to surrender, but my parents had to surrender. And I asked her, I said, Mom, do you think that it, you hindered God from moving in my life sooner because you guys hadn't surrendered yet? And she said, yep. So it's, it, there's multiple things that go on, not just me, but the, it's a family effort. And so when they finally surrendered, they did it first. That allowed God to finally move in and to get me where I knew was going to get me to, to come out. Did you get that? <laughs> you know, the his birthday, the 12th of Feb, we had gone to Phoenix on the 11th because we were going to spend the day with him on his birthday. And we were supposed to spend the night with him on the 11th. And so we had gone to his sister's house, who she lived maybe 15, 20 minutes from where he lived. And so on the 11th, we went early, so we spent time with, with our daughter and the grandkids, but I kept on calling Daniel on the 11th, you know, we're, we're in town, we'll be coming here pretty soon to the house, you want to have dinner, no answer, and I called all day, no answer, well, that night, well, early after, or early evening, uh, I said, you know what, I need to go and find out what's going on, because we're supposed to be spending the night with Daniel, when I got there, you have seen on TV when uh, a place is raided, how it's just, I mean, literally torn apart, I mean, I walked in there, and the whole house was upside down. And immediately, as a dad, I said, what in the world's going on? He saw me, starts crying, starts shaking. And I mean, I had, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I said, what is happening? And so uh, he finally told me. And so he tried to, started to clean the, the, the apartment or the condo so that we can spend the night there. I said, Daniel, no way. So I called his mom. I said, you got to stay with your daughter. I'm going to take him to the hotel. We're going to spend the night at a hotel. And that's exactly what we did. But that place was a disaster. But that was the beginning. It, any other questions? Yeah. They were going after drugs at that point, yeah. Among other things, but, um, but yes, yeah. It was Homeland Security that, that invaded them. Yes, ma'am. All right, so I know that you all know a lot of our story. We've talked to you guys over the years, and you mentioned Pastor Juan a little while ago. Pastor Evie, his wife, prophesied in 2010 over Devin years ago that he would be in a ministry, but in a very weird ministry, or not, not typical. So I've been hanging on to Pastor Evie's prof prophecy since 2010. But, um, you know, and we've talked a lot you and I, Daniel, have shared about Devin, and y'all raised Daniel in the Word, but I mean, I, we didn't raise Devin that way at all. <clears throat> so when you say these things, like 
I have spoken over Devin, I've prayed over Devin, Kathleen, and you and I have talked about, I pray that, whatever it takes. That would be so hard for me to tell Devin that because he would just, he doesn't know the Lord. Like how he believes that, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but he believes that he was born this way, this is who he is. How do you reconcile that? Like I have spoken and said it's not, but he doesn't hear me, he shuts me off. I mean, how do you reconcile Something like that when he doesn't know the as Lord. As far as speaking to him, yeah. I one time I went to the Lord and I, and I asked the Father, I said, how do I minister to a person who is a male and now is a female? Do I address him as what he was born or do I address her as what she has become? Because I want her to get or him get born again. So I do I, do I talk to him as a man or do I talk to him as a woman? And the Lord came right back to me immediately, and, and he asked me, what gets born again? Oh. And, he, and he said, speak to their heart. Yeah, oh, the, heart. yeah spirit. the spirit. Yeah. Speak to their spirit. Wow. That removes the man from the picture, removes the, from the, the female from the picture. Speak to their heart. And that's okay. exactly what we did that with him, and that's what I do with others. I pray and I speak to their heart. Now it's up to God. Okay, it's good. Thank okay. You. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. They're going to give you a mic here. Oh, so you're like my son. <laughs> no, I guess my question has to do with church hurt. So um, my cousin is gay, and he came out in high school. We're a year apart. Um, but when he was struggling with it, he was very involved in our church at the time. And there was a guy over the worship team who was very religious. And basically, as soon as he mentioned that he was struggling with this and didn't know what to do about it, he basically kicked him out of the church. So since then, he's kind of been very hands-off. Now, in our family um, as a whole, our immediate family is a safe place for him. But it's like I, I feel like we can't discuss God at all. And it was hard because um, his mom was head of the children's ministry in the church. So it went deeper than just some guy. That was his home. Um, so how, I guess, how do you heal church hurt on that, in that kind of situation? You know, what are the things that we could say to kind of be like, that's not who God is it's and have him hear us? It's unfortunate, but what you're saying happens a lot. The, the church is very judgmental. Um, well, they're fearful, judgmental, um, condemnation. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And Daniel will tell you that within the LGBTQ plus or LGBTQI plus, um, and they'll add a few more letters later on, but, but they, they, uh, all they're looking for is love and acceptance. And unfortunately, with your, your cousin... He was hurt by the church and in the church where it's supposed to be very, very, very safe. So what I would say is, number one, pray for God to heal. You won't be able to. You may love him. You may be with him. You may support him. Uh, but the one that's going to be doing the healing will be, will be God. And I believe that God is faithful. Now, when? It took us 14 years. So don't you give up if after a year nothing's happening, don't you give up. After two years, don't you give up. Not only are we judgmental, fearful, among other things in the church, we also give up very quickly. 
Yet the Lord, the, the Bible said we're to persevere. So I would say whatever you want to see your cousin become, uh, what it, maybe what he was prior to being hurt, uh, pray that over him. But pray that God brings forth his loving hand and his healing hand and touches his heart and, and heals that, that part of his life. God will do it. We've seen in our church, we've seen several where they were healed and set free. So if God did it for us, God can do it for you. And there's not a magical answer out there other than you going on his behalf. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says that we're to stand for our brothers, th those that are, that are broken. And we're supposed to go there and restore such a one, it says. Well, it starts with prayer. Uh, so, and then God may open the door for you to speak into his life uh, because he feels safe with you. Just ask the Lord to give you the wisdom and the words. But pray that God heals him. He needs healing. That, that's what he needs. Yeah, because of the trauma. Yeah. And for the most part, you know, you go after and you really believe God for true deliverance. I mean, true deliverance. And I think that we talked about it earlier in the other class, but we have to learn how to love. But without truth, there will be no freedom. Yeah. So you have to really seek the wisdom of God and, and just know the gospel of Jesus Christ is incredibly powerful against anything that will, he's the answer to everything. He is the answer to all. So they're very lonely. They've had trauma. They've, um, they, they, they're not, they're tormented. And so God wants to address that and, and know that his identity, and somehow you'll have wisdom to speak into him that identity can only come from Jesus Christ. And maybe there'll be a time where you can actually repent on behalf of that man. I would do that. I would just say, I'm so sorry. I repent on behalf of that leader who doesn't understand um, your brokenness or does it, I wouldn't agree. Now you've got to be really careful not to agree with the, the gay lifestyle, but you say, I'm so sorry that he was, that he uh, condemned you. Jesus never, sh there's no condemnation. So we're not going to shame you. We want to see the glory of God on your life. Something like that, okay? I'm going to come from my perspective. Um, I wasn't hurt by the church, uh, but when we talk about that we can't, we're not here to fix people, that God's the only one that can. So how do we get them set up for that? We have to honor them. And what does honor mean? Honor means to give value to something, to someone, okay? Um, when we honor, it, set, it opens up their heart to receive. So if you keep honoring them and showing them value, showing them love through whatever, so for example, the church that I, my parents' church, never once did they ever condemn me, never once did they ever uh, uh, not love me, never once did they ever um, uh, uh, reject me or say anything. Unfortunately, your cousin had that, but they didn't. What I'm, but my point is that they all could have, but they were planting seeds inside of me along the way so that when I had my moment, they were honoring me. And I didn't realize it, but they were honoring me. So when I had my moment with God, when I had my Damascus moment or my aha moment and saying, okay, Daniel, which way are you going to go? You're going to go this way or this way. All those seeds, all that love, all that honor, all that thing got opened, got my heart ready to positions to go, okay, I'm going to go this way. So, and, and a lot of the times we feel like we have to say things. And then when a lot of the times we should just not say anything no. and just love them and show them love. 
action. Because remember, love is a verb. If we look through 1 Corinthians 13, 3 through 4 through 8, all that is action. It's not saying love them with your, with your feelings or love them with your mouth or love, love them with action. So when you do that, they won't forget it either. They won't forget it at all. How many here know of someone that's in the lifestyle? What you guys have to understand is that in my research, the majority of those that are in the lifestyle, there's an incredible weight on them because they want to be normal. They want to be normal. Uh, unfortunately, what they don't understand is they, they will never you know, uh, attain uh, normalization in their life because of sin. And we got to call it what it is. It's sin. So it, they're, they'll never attain that. But having said that, uh, through our love, uh, what they need to hear and what they want to hear is that someone's out there uh, outside the church or even within the church. They're out there saying, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm going to stand by you. Again, I know who you are, person, versus your behavior. I won't accept your behavior, but I'll accept who you are. And that's what we're going we're, we're gonna to go for. The church, our church, never condemned him. But I went to the church right from the beginning. When he went, came out, I went to the church and I told him. I said, listen, I'm going to be honest. I told the whole church. Some didn't like it. I had pastors in the community, didn't like it. That's not my issue. My issue is I have a son who needs the church. If this is a place where yeah. healing is supposed to take place, yeah. that's what I need for my son. And, uh, and they'll tell you, every time he came to the church, they loved him. I would have church members, how's your son doing? How's your son doing? How's your son doing? They're believing God for him. And I didn't know how to answer. And so finally I asked the Lord, how do I answer them when they ask me, how's my son doing? And the Lord says, just tell him that he's working on his testimony. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was working on his testimony, and the day came, not long, eight months ago, where in the church he gave his testimony. We're quick to that point, to the, what Dad just said. Um, we had my friends, close friends, uh, watched the live stream on Sunday. And they always, they always heard of Daniel. They always heard of, uh, of when they would ask, how's your son doing? He's working on his testimony. And then they got to see the behind the scenes when we talked on Sundays of what they actually went through. And they texted me, and they're like, bro, your parents love you. And I go, I know. I know. They love you. And he goes, that ministers to me. It ministered to my friend because never once did my parents ever say anything bad about me. Never once did they say, oh, he's doing this. Never once did. So they never cursed me or did anything to, to counter counteract that they just saw love and they didn't see what was going on behind the scenes but but now that it all came to fruition and all came full circle for them they kind of had their aha moment going oh my gosh we knew that you, you always loved your son but now we're seeing it and because they never cursed me they 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 showed me the like i said on sunday they showed me what the father's love looked like it looked like in so many different ways now did i want to say things <laughs> any other questions yes sir Yes. Oh, hi. Hi. Only because I've heard this, so I wanted to know what your response as a pastor would be. So, I am gay, living, maybe pretend I'm a man, and I'm living with another man, and it's really biblical because of David and Jonathan. I've heard that. And so, what would your response be to that? That's an easy question. I mean, come on. Um, in fact, I just taught on David and Jonathan, and I told the church right from the get-go, 
when it says that, you know, uh, they kissed. I said, a lot of uh, gay community, they see that as a homosexual act. And I said, that is, has nothing to do with the homosexuality. That was a culture, and I went on and on. And I said, straight from the pit of hell. So I'll say it here. Uh, that thought, that that speaks of homosexuality, is straight from the pit of hell. It's that simple. But going back, to, again, and we're talking about a person that, you know, they are in church. So I would approach them as a person who is in church. So I'm going to talk to them churchy style, if I may. So th this is what I typically say to those that, that come to me with that. And I go to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 25. And it's speaking of uh, basically sin, but it says, uh, they traded the truth about God for a lie. That's everything Daniel's been talking about. So they worshiped and they served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. This is why God, listen to this, this is why God abandoned them to their shameful desire. Even the woman turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with the woman, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And it goes on and on and on. The, the bottom line is simply this. They may say to you, well, I am born again, but I am living with my partner. Uh, I love the Lord. I go to church. I read my Bible. And they go on and on and on and on. And where they're coming from is where they say, if God is love, and 1 John chapter 5 says, God is love. If God is love, then he's not going to come against me or, or push me away or whatever because he is love, which is true. God is love. But the Bible also says, and he just mentioned it, says that uh, love does not rejoice in iniquity. They forget about that. Number one. Number two, they also remove this part of Scripture. You can look at Leviticus chapter 18, chapter 20, the book of Matthew, the book of Mark. It all talks about coming against homosexuality. It's, it's very, very clear. The, the thing is this. If they truly believe that they have a relationship with God, then they have to, like you and I, they have to walk in the Word of God. They have to be faithful to the Word of God. I know of what they call themselves as, as, as uh, gay Christians, but they're celibate. They're celibate Christians. That's what they call themselves. They refuse to have sex with the same sex, uh, man, man, woman to woman, whatever. They refuse to it. They rather obey the word of God. And within time, because they're being obedient to the word of God, God does change them. So again, we have to walk in the Word of God. There's no other way, guys. The Word of God, the Bible says He is the truth, the way, and the life. So He is the truth. We have to walk in the truth. He's the only way we obtain the life that He has for us. We have to walk in that manner. If we don't, guess what? Then we're going to be doing everything opposite. And if you read the rest of Romans chapter 1, it talks about how they go into all these shameful acts and, and everything that is against them. And, and he went through all those things. He almost went through most of them because he was, again, living in his sin. I think where the church is missing it, based on what you're asking, Gloria, is that we don't talk about sin. The church does not talk about sin. But yet you have to ask God for forgiveness of your sins to become a born-again believer. So my question is this. So 
if you have to ask for forgiveness of your sins to have a relationship with God, then God's going to allow you to sin to continue to have that relationship? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. So, but again, it's because of where they are. So it, it, the, if someone says, I'm born again, I go to church, I read my Bible, but I'm living with my boyfriend or I'm living with my girlfriend, that's against the word of God. It's simple. That's that simple. And that's, and I just read this to them and I tell them, but you see, they're coming to me from a place of church. So I'm going to speak to them from a place of church. So, okay. I think too, um, God's going to be confronting us more and more with our own hearts. We're all growing, we're all maturing and we're getting victories. And you're right. Every time I get a victory in my own heart, it affects my daughter. When he gets victory in his own heart, it affects his son. And so my point is that we need to look at the broader picture according to what you're saying. If they're saying that you can, that it was that kind of a kiss, then they're filtering it through their own logical mindset. And we have to know the word of God. You've got to know the word. You've got to know what the gospel is. If the gospel is the power to bring, it's about the power and the anointing and the glory of God to bring deliverance, healing, wholeness, safety, and prosperity of a flourishing, God wants that in our identities of who we are. So when you're born again, you become a new spirit. You've got a new identity and it's a heavenly identity. What happens that sons, the sin separates you from God. But I think the point I want to make is that it's what I said Sunday. If you're bowing down to the spirit, the sexual spirit and to porn, but you're a Christian and you're at home and you think it's private and nobody knows but you, I'm telling you, you're separating yourself from God and you're tormented and you won't have peace. But what you're doing is you're sacrificing your body at that altar of the pornography. And Jesus is saying, I paid the price for that pornography, but you're wanting to bow down to that to give you a satisfaction, to give you pleasure, to give you your thinking it's going to bring you peace. And God's saying, no, I won't have it. You're separating yourself from me. I'm the only one that can give you validation. I'm the only one that can give you peace. I'm the only one. So he is, he's not messing around and he's confronting that not only homosexuality is just one thing. Drugs and addiction are just one thing. It's the, it's us bowing down to anything that is not, is separating us from God and God's calling us back to the altar. And he's saying, will you lay down your life for me because I'm going to give you life. And it, and this is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about identity. Just last thing on, on the kiss. So what do we do with Romans 16, verse 16? Salute one another with a holy kiss. So, okay, any, any other questions? Yes, sir. Are you the good-looking one or the other one? Okay, okay. I'll play it, I'll play it. Um, so I know we, we talked about this um, pretty much all the night, but this is a more specific question. So okay. I work at a Christian organization, um, 
but there there are a couple people I work with that one of them identifies as gender neutral, gender, wow, gender neutral and pansexual, and the other one just pansexual. But it's it's um, I I know my duty is to love, and I we've had I've had deeper conversations with one of them about he used to, well he used to be a Christian, um, and he just had a lot of church hurt, just like Miss Emily's cousin. Um, but I want to say maybe a few weeks ago, I was singled out as someone that they didn't want to have, a, another person didn't want to have a conversation about that because I felt I was very hating and judgmental. And that for me was, was kind of like maybe shaking a little bit um, for me because I try to love and I, I've never like tried to say anything against like what they're doing, you know what I'm saying? I say like, yo, obviously I don't agree with that. Like you know this, but I mean we're still friends. I mean I'm friends with both of them, so I'm I'm wondering where do I go from that? Is there anything I could be doing better, and 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 what kind of to do with that? That's that's a that's a great question, and I would first thing I would say to you is stay to your conviction. Stay to your conviction. See, this is where the church needs to understand. Uh, we have what they need. And if we begin to acquiesce to the narrative of that day, then we're going to lessen the power of God. And But if we stay on the word of God and the conviction that we have because of God, then that's what we're going to speak. And we're going to speak life. So it, it, don't worry about what they think or what they, you know, they may say you're, 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 you're um, you know, uh, discriminating, you're racial, you're this because you don't agree with their sexual orientation. Uh, pansexual, I mean, they, they have all these things going on. The bottom line, word of God, male, female. It's that simple. Stay to, you, uh, to your conviction and then just keep on speaking truth and speaking love. Uh, when you look at John chapter 1, it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Okay, uh, grace is the power to change, but it takes truth. They have to be together. Truth and grace is what changes a person. So you show them the grace, which is the power of God to change, and you also give them the truth and see and see what happens. Again, it might have happened overnight, but it will happen. But you stay to your conviction. Uh, speaking of love, uh, love when love is patient, love is kind. Uh, you also love says love keeps no record of being wrong. So you need to be quick to forgive them because easily, if you let a fence come in, fence is going to, then, then pride comes in. Like, well, I'm right with what I'm saying. And therefore not going to, then, then now what you're doing is, is you're, you're setting up walls and now you're stopping God be, to be able to flow through you to that person. So like dad said, you show them grace. You, sh you don't keep record of wrong and you just keep loving them. You just keep loving them now through action. You keep loving them however the Holy Spirit leads you to, to, to love on them. Um, because there's going to be plenty of times, uh, plenty of opportunities to be offended. Um, and, and when we start getting offended, then, then that throws everything out the window. And now you're having to deal with something with your own heart. And now you're in a place where you're going to have to go to that person and say, you know what, I have to ask for your forgiveness. Which I think is a, something that we also miss as a church is we have to, we were always like, well, they have to forgive. Well, no, we, there's times where we have to come from a place of humility and, and see, okay, and, and search our hearts and say, did I do something to, to offend them? Or do, oh, no, 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 take that back. 
did I hold an offense towards them or did I hold uh, uh, any resentment towards them? Because if you do, then now you're in sin and now you have to ask for forgiveness for them. And what's cool about forgiveness is when either they have to ask for forgiveness or if you have to ask for forgiveness, it breaks the spiritual realm when you do. It brings in truth and it allows God now to flow through once you humil uh, uh, humble yourself. Just like Jesus humbled himself on the cross and allowed himself to be beaten and his body to be torn up so that so he died for our sins, we have to stay humble in ourselves to God to move through us to that other person. I would say to you also is that when he's talking about not being offended, stay with the truth. The truth is you loved them. Truth is, what, what they're challenging is your integrity. They've been taught that if you don't agree with me, if you don't agree with my narrative, if you don't agree with my, um, I'm to hate you. And so we cannot be led by hate. There's no righteousness. We have to be led by love. And I would just, I mean, you're, you're an incredible opportunity to say, Lord, I want to ask the right questions. Help me to ask the right questions, not preach to them, not teach them, ask the right que questions. Like we, I would ask Daniel, when, and I'd say, are you tormented? Oh, yeah, you know, whatever. Then say, then that's not God. God doesn't want you tormented. Are you, um, say, you know, Jesus died? Do you feel, do you feel that he has paid a price for you to have identity? and to have value and worth, ask them the right questions to make them think that maybe what they're, maybe their thinking is, is not, you know, it challenges them in a way that's not intimidating. It's what I'm saying. Thank you. Oh, I didn't realize it was that close. Um, so I have a friend who uh, grew up in a homeschool family. He was kind of in the middle. He had sisters below him, brothers above him, but um, Christian family, very safe, like super close. And he always, as young as he can remember, um, was attracted or confused at least about his sexuality. Um, years went on and he started working at Starbucks and started meeting guys that thought similar to him and eventually kind of succumbed to that lifestyle and he and I kept in touch for a really long time um, but any time that he would like be convicted or desire to walk away from that he would then be tormented it wasn't until he would like cry out for prayer or talk to me about something and then that night he'd have nightmares all night and so he got to a point where he just gave up because it was too hard to fight against, you know, and I think he didn't have maybe enough support around him, but I don't know, could you speak to that, that piece of wanting Jesus, but it being such a terrible fight for the enemy to let go, that you just go, it's easier just to, to do this. M many years ago, uh, I'm going to say maybe 15, there was a concept that was ba basically invading our, our youth, and in, 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 in theory, it sounded good. And basically, the youth were being taught, um, you know, don't, don't go and, and start dating, especially if it's a, a person that does not believe in Jesus. The, the concept back then was missionary dating. 
In other words, I'm Christian, she's not. I'm going to start dating her because I want to make sure that she becomes a born-again believer. That never happens. If anything, everything else started happening that should not have happened. Well, the same thing is happening now where people feel that, well, you know, I'm a born-again believer or I'm this. I'm strong in the Lord and my friends are gay. I'm going to start hanging out with them to show them, you know, that I love them. And so, well, listen, again, we're dealing with the spirit and that's what they don't understand. And as long as I allow myself to go and, and, and befriend them and be with them all the time, you're going to open yourself up to it. And, and now you're going to be the one that's going to be influenced versus being the one that's supposed to be influenced the other. The tables now are turned. And so, uh, you know, when all of a sudden they, they want prayer because they are going through turmoil, more than likely did he go back to that relationship with, her, with his friends where he was working at. Up all night and, and right and, and, afraid and, and the following days did he go back though to his friendships i, I don't know because more than likely he probably did and the yeah. bible said you know a dog's not to return to his vomit he more likely he did yeah. and so yeah. he was sincere in wanting right. to be set free he was yeah. one time when i remember I, I had a long conversation with daniel and he was crying and he said dad I said, he said, I, I need to just get, get free of this because the worst thing I can do for you is, is not, not, not carry on your name. There's, I mean, I need to make sure that I'm able to marry because I need to have sons and daughters to carry on the name. And I could not do that to you, Dad, not being able to carry on your name. He said that to me. And I'm, I'm crying. I'm all excited because, you know, maybe God's touching them. He went right back to it. Why? Because he went right back to his friends. He went right back to his drugs. Right. And, and they're sincere. They, they are sincere. And so uh, for me, what I started doing with him is, Father, start breaking off those friendships. Yes. Start breaking those friendships. Yes. And that's what I started praying. And I would say with, with uh, you know, the individual you're talking about, start breaking those friendships. And, and he will. And he did with him. I mean, they're all gone. They're all gone. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go, because I went through what he went through. Uh, every day I would come home, or I'd stay up all night, and then I'd get ready for work, and I'd cry out saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. And I'm like, okay. And then I'd go, get through work, come home. All right, I can't do this. I need to get high. I need to do this. I need to go whatever. Um, and I was on the daily. It was a daily. It, it, but what was happening was I... One was trying to do it on my own. So he's trying to do it on his own. Yeah. And we don't have, we can't do it on our own. Right. Number one, number two. N number two is, is he's believing. So what is the enemy, his, what is, what he can't, what is, what does he use to, to, to destroy us? He uses fear. Yeah. So what my fear was, and I touched on this earlier uh, in the class, was I believed if the, the enemy would uh, feed lies into me. Daniel, if you expose that you're doing drugs, you're going to lose your condo, you're going to lose your car, you're going to lose your work, you're going to lose your friends, you're going to lose your family, you're going to go into debt, how are you going to pay for rehab, how are you going to do this, how are you going to do that? And that was the torment. Yeah. I didn't know, I didn't, th even though I had the word in me, I thought, I can't do this, so I'm just going to keep continuing to do it. So that's what he's experiencing just in a different form. He's sincere, he wants to do it, but he's trying to do it on his own, and then he's believing those lies. I talked earlier about how simple it was. 
how simple it was to surrender your life and let God come in. When I finally had the deliverance and I finally said yes, everything shifted within seconds. It wasn't this time that I had to wait for God to move in my life. It was already done. Mm. They had to wait a long time. But I, myself, when I finally surrendered everything, and so we get in, we, we start believing these lies that anybody uh, is telling us. We start believing this lies, well, this is never going to get better. I'm going to torment you now. I'm going to make it so, so, you're so scared that you're going to be frozen that you can't move and operate in, in what God really is calling you to do. So he needs to know that just as you surrender, one, you give it up to God, let him do the heavy lifting for him, and two, he's not alone. Yeah. It may be not, it might be rough, uh, that first night, but once he gets on the other side, he's going to be like, oh, that's it? Literally, after all the stuff I did for so many years, how I tormented myself and how I made all these horrible decisions and how I did this and how I did that, once I got on the other side, I like, that's it? That's it, literally, that's it? That's it. And it's done. I want to just really emphasize to everybody, but I want to share with you, they can't do it themselves. But if we'll just pray and take authority over that spirit and say, Lord, I forbid the fear in the name of Jesus Christ, and will you loose your power, your love, and a sound mind? Father, I bind the witchcraft over his mind, his rebellion, his anger, and I'm asking you for a heart of humility. And Father God, I bind the spirit of shame, the loneliness. And I'm asking you to loose your glory and reveal your goodness to him. We can stand in the gap so that it can push back the darkness for him to be able to think, hear, and feel, and receive. Okay. Real quick, I don't know, obviously I don't know who this person you're talking about, but... What I've learned is that when you, when someone is enthralled in addiction, whether it be drugs, alcohol, shopping, eating, homosexuality, anything, shopping? yes, <laughs> um, we're, the, the, the addiction is not the main issue. The addiction is the byproduct because the addiction is we're, we're all we're doing is trying to self-medicate. Yeah. We're trying to make ourselves feel better. That's all we're doing. So that's the byproduct. I would recommend praying on what actually brought him to that feeling at a young age. There's trauma yeah. there somewhere. He, yeah, he was molested by his older brother. And that did come out, and they prayed together as a family, and the brother repented. And um, they tried to do the hard work you know, as a family and to carry him and to hold him and, and help him through it. And the brother was obviously devastated yeah. by all of it. So, um, yeah. That love is so important. Yep. That's yeah. the love. Yeah. Any other questions? Oh. So from a ministry standpoint, how do you handle people saying, I don't understand why I need to change because I was born this way? That's, that's, that's a great question because a lot, of, a lot of them do believe that's the way they were born. Um, again, what, and as I said earlier, if when someone says that to me, I just go straight towards your spirit. 
I just go straight towards their heart. Because if they really believe that, and if I try to convince them otherwise via scripture, it's just an argument. And that's all that happens. So I don't want to go there. So I just speak to their spirit. And I just believe what the Bible says that the word of God has the power or is the power for salvation. Then I have to let the word of God do its work. Not me. So I just speak to their spirit and see what happens. But I know my God and my God will win. Anyone else? Any? Can I say what? I just want to say that the truth is that we're male and female. And if we go back to identity, God has formed each and every one of us with an identity of value and worth. Just speak to that. Very good. Going once. How difficult was rehab for you? Piece of cake. <laughs> no, literally. I, it w but it was a lot of things that were set up. I, because, because I had deliverance, because I had surrendered everything, and because I had all those seeds planted in me for all those years, I knew what I had to do. So I went in there with the mindset of, and plus I only had 27, 28 days I could do this. That's all my insurance would allow me to do. Really, you should be in, in rehab for at least 45 days, if not 90 days. I couldn't do that. So I knew I had to go in headstrong, and I knew I had to pay attention. I had to listen to what they had to do and say. And what was really cool with rehab is that this place actually dealt with trauma. Most rehab places around the country don't deal with the trauma. They'll deal with the addiction, but then that's why their success rate is so low. They don't deal with the trauma. So, but anyway, besides that, I, I it was very easy for me. I, it was very easy for me. And I think the other reason it was as easy is because almost every night we would have a, a Zoom meeting or a Zoom call uh, between him, his mother, myself, his sister, his brother. Uh, we all got on the, on the Zoom and we just talked. And it was great. And I started seeing Daniel in those 30 days begin to change. So it was very good. Yes, ma'am. Daniel, um, did you get phone calls while you were in rehab? Were you able? I'm, I'm just asking because when I get phone calls, what, do, what can I say to help? What can I do what to kind help of phone? Sorry, go ahead. the one in rehab? When he was in rehab? Yeah. Did I get phone calls? Like, did you be, were you able to make phone calls to your loved ones or to a friend at some point? Yes. Uh, so, um, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, he, he was able to call his loved ones. And as I was saying, we would go on a Zoom meeting or a call. And I'm, as, as far as a family, we just affirmed him. You know, you look so great, Dan. You're doing great. And he was. You know, and, and Daniel would say, you know, when I get out, we're going to do this. And I thought, oh, that's great. So we're looking forward to it. So when he would call, we were always affirming who he was, what was going on. We would ask him, so how's, what's happening at the, at the rehab uh, center? They would he would tell us. And so he was able to make phone calls. But I felt our responsibility was to affirm him for what he was going through. So uh, going to her question earlier, how easy was it for me? Um, 
I learned going into it with the, with this with this mindset that I this is my shot. Um, I wanted it to be one and done. I didn't want to be like the other guys in there that are fourth, fifth time, sixth time in there. Like this is it. I I ain't going back. Um, so with that, one of the first things I learned in rehab was uh, one: you can't trust yourself. Uh, if you did, if you were able to, then you wouldn't be here. Two, um, you have to get out of your toxic environment. So I saw a lot of people in rehab that had to go through their phones and delete friends. They had to go through Facebook and delete friends. They had to do all this stuff to get themselves out of it. By the wonderful, loving, gracious God that we serve, he took that all away from me when I was one of my places raided. He took my phone away from me. He took my uh, all my social media accounts away from me. He took all my laptops away from me. So I had, from the get-go, I was, I couldn't do anything. So I wasn't able to, or didn't have the opportunity to call all those people that I could easily say, hey, when I get out, you know? So um, all I could call was my parents and my family, which thank God, because that's all I wanted to talk to. I don't want to talk to anybody else. Um, but but uh, I, I, I hope that helps. I, I'm, I don't know. Well, I think, again, if they're calling you, affirm them. Because they're calling you, obviously, they know who you are. You're a woman of God. You believe in the Lord. And that's what you want to speak. So if they call you, that's your opportunity to speak life into them. And, and don't hesitate, because they're calling you. So they just open the door for you. So. Any, anyone else? You mentioned something just a few minutes ago about how it was said about the situation wh what made them uh, go back into the lifestyle and to pray to pray for that situation do you remember what I was uh, yeah, basically yeah uh, what we have seen is they go right back to you know their relationships their friends uh, those that were part of his lifestyle when he was in sin and so what we did we prayed that those relationships would be broken um, because we, and that, and that's what happened when, 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 when he, when he, I knew God had changed him when he called me up one time and he's in rehab. He said, dad, I need to sell my condo. I knew at that point it's broken because he was not going back to the environment where he had his issues. And so I said, Daniel, absolutely. Cause when we first talked about it before he went, we said, well, you know, Daniel, maybe we need to sell your condo. He, he didn't want to. But when he was in rehab, and as he's listening to the Lord, and he told him, you need to get away from your environment. And so when he said, Dad, can we get the, the, uh, the condo remodeled, basically? And so we said, absolutely. So we went down there. I had a guy from our church in Cottonwood. He went all the, uh, all the way to Phoenix for a couple of weeks and just remodeled the whole condo. Carpet, I mean, the works. But he was ready to let it go. I knew at that point. We were changing his environment. That's the key. So, yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Uh, and and real quick. Uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, just just to show how prayer works. Dad said they prayed for for my my relationships to be severed because I tried to sever them about two years ago prior, and I did all of them except for one. Remember, I gave up all my friends, but I kept one on the side just in case, and then it led me down that back down that rabbit hole. But to show how prayer works in the practical, they prayed for, when did you pray that for my for friendships to be severed? Oh, boy. Um, I'm 
not quite sure, but there for a while it was rather consistent. And look how God came in and severed all my relationships because he took my phone, he took my laptop, he took all my social media accounts, he took everything where I can't have access to him, and that's how he severed. Prayer is so important. And what's beautiful about that, he had uh, some friends in the lifestyle who were calling me, trying to get hold of him. Well, they're calling the wrong guy. And at one point, they thought that maybe he had not paid, yeah, he had not paid his Verizon bill. That's what this one uh, uh, individual thought. So he went, he would, yeah, he went, and as a, I guess you can pay as a guest, he paid our Verizon bill because he was under my, my name because he thought that, you know, he had not paid it. That's why he's not returning phone calls. And I said, you know what, would you please just honor us? You know, he does not want anything to do with his, uh, his past life. We're going a different direction. He didn't stop there. He went and looked at our, look for our face, our um, uh, church on, on Facebook. He found our church. And then he even sent a long prayer asking for the church to pray for him because I, the pastor, was stopping a relationship that he had with my son, which they didn't. But uh, they had a relationship with my son. Could you pray that God would change his life? Meaning, I mean, his mind speaking to me, and that I would allow for love to take its course. So I said, "Holy cow!" So anyway, I finally wrote him this this long uh, letter, um, and then Daniel ended up also sending something to him and said, "You know what? You know, just leave me alone. It's oh, you know, bro, I'm going a different direction." And then hear from him after a while. So. Anywho, any other questions, comments, thoughts, suggestions? Yes, ma'am. Um, I've heard you tonight reference like speaking to their spirit. Can you give like maybe some examples or like practically what does that look like? Absolutely. Uh, when I would send Daniel a text message, not necessarily a scripture, but a text message, or when I would spend time with him, because like, at one point for three months in a row, I was with him. I mean, the majority of every week. And we would be sitting down, and I, I would say to Daniel, because he's an excellent writer. Excellent. I mean, he really, he should write a book. But I would say, you know what, Daniel? I love the way you express yourself via writing. I'm, I'm speaking to one of his talents. And that's truth. I was speaking truth. So I would look at, not to be over-religious, because I knew at one point he could not take it, but I would look at who he was, what God had given him, his gifts. I said, you can verbalize, you can speak well, you communicate well as you write. Dan, just think about that. And that's the direction I would go. That's just one. But those were the things I would speak to him. I knew things that would really make him feel wanted, valued. Those are the things. Because the church, what we do many times is we'll speak to a person who's in sin, but we, we speak to them in a way that robs their dignity. He, I was not going to rob his dignity. I, I knew that he was in sin, but I, you know, I know my son. And uh, I remember at one time I coached him basketball when he was 14 years old. So I would just talk about times like that in the past. I mean, just things. Uh, you know, we go out and eat, uh, or I make him a, a steak dinner at home. Uh, we stink up the place, but I make the steak dinner at home. I just did things to him that would minister to him. So talked about this on Sunday, but the biggest thing that ministered to me was when he cleaned my apartment. That was the biggest thing because I, I hated that. And, I, and it, was so, it was so demonic because that's not how I lived. 
but and and I would need to go. I knew I had to go do things. I knew I had to go do laundry. I knew I had to clean this. I knew I had to work, but I would literally sit there and not be able to move. And that was the demonic presence that was stopping me from being able to. So when my dad cleaned, even though he would find things, and I swear they weren't there. I swear God just made things come out of thin air and just lay there. Um, but what he, when he cleaned things, that was the biggest thing. So you want to find things that might minister to that person. Um, just talking to them. Uh, I'll give you a real quick story. I was uh, listening to John Bevere. And he has a, a, a thing about honor. And he's telling the story that he go. He lives in Colorado, lives in Denver, and he loves to go to Whole Foods. So he took one of his friends into Whole Foods one day, and all the employees were saying, "Hey, John! And hey, John! How are you?" Blah blah. blah. And then his friend's like, "Do they all know you?" They're like, "Yeah." Well, do they know what you do? He's like, "Ah, don't you tell them what I do." And he's a pastor. He preaches. He, he you know, don't you tell them what I do. They know me because I talk to them. They know me because I value them. And so he went on this story about how the, the, the guy at the, at the meat department named Richard loves this $30 a pound cheese. And so John just bought him this cheese one time and gave it to him, and that just blessed his socks off. He would always go to um, this one checkout line. This lady had tattoos from head to toe. You couldn't tell she was Caucasian because she was just... Tatted up, and then she had color of hairs were five different colors, and so. But he would go to her line. He would go to her line every time, and just say, "Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how did you get your color not to bleed from that one to that one?" She's like, "Oh, let me tell you how I did that." <laughs> and so she spoke to him. He spoke to her, and just just conversated with her. Well, one day he came. He was in a rush, so he came through a different line because she her line was long. Well, she saw that and didn't like that. So she turned off her light, walked over to her, walked over to him and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know this is my last week here. I'm leaving. My grandmother just died, and I have to go be with my grandfather, and we have to go. I have to move out of, out of, to go. And then she started bawling. And she started crying because she goes, I love it. You, I love it when you, your sons, and your wife come through my line because you just talk to me. You don't judge me for what I look like. You don't judge me because of my hair or my tattoos. You just speak into me. And at that moment, even though no one knew who he was, he was able, that was the door open to give her a bunch of his books and change her life forever. Sometimes we just have to not do anything. We just have to just, just love them and just love them where they're at, value them where they're at. Then the Holy Spirit's going to come and say, okay, now here's the moment to do it. And all he did was just talk to her. A lot of what I did, I just valued him. I placed a value. He's my son. He's my son. So, anything else? These have been great questions. Yes, ma'am. So, you started to talk about this earlier. All of your fears with coming out of and going to rehab and that sort of thing. Will you speak to how God answered your fears? So, uh, I was in torment. Again, like I said, um, I wanted to get out of the lifestyle. I knew, I was even to the point where I would tell mom the last year, year and a half, if I don't change, I'm going to miss my calling. Like, I just felt it heavy in my spirit. But I didn't know what to do. And I would tell mom, mom, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Not in a suicidal point, but just because I knew I was just, I, I, did, I was tired of fighting. Um, so, anytime I had the chance to go to rehab or try to change that fear gripped my, my heart, I was going to lose everything. And when I mean the enemy threw at me everything, everything. 
So, so when I had that moment of, of my encounter with God and I surrendered everything up, remember I told you guys it was instantaneously uh, that God changed my life and, and, and freed my life. Um, he does things to woo us, to show us how much he loves us. He does things through the goodness of him to show us how much he wants us to be with him. So for years, I didn't go to rehab because I was so afraid of certain things happening. I didn't, I was, I was hell bent. I'm not going to hit rock bottom because if I hit rock bottom, then that means I failed. If I hit rock bottom, that means I'm going to lose all this. If I hit rock bottom, that means, you know, what am I going to do? I, I'm, I'm going to just like wither away. Because of God's goodness, once I surrendered, once I gave my, my life back to Christ, within 60 days, let's see, I said I was going to afraid to lose my condo. I not only didn't lose my condo, I sold it for three times what it was worth. And I was afraid that if I went to rehab and came out that I was a drug addict, that I was going to lose uh, uh, my job. I not only held my job, I got a raise when I came back. Uh, uh, not only did I thought I was going to lose, get into all this debt, uh, that because of the selling my condo, I was able to get myself completely out of decades of debt. I was able to, I was afraid I was going to lose my car. Not only did I keep my car, I was able to fix it and fix it up with all those accidents I had and, and give it and bless somebody with it. Not only was I, was I afraid I was going to, um, how, how was I going to pay for rehab? Rehab was a $30,000 a month rehab. God, out of his goodness, uh, was able to, my insurance was able to pay for it, but then I had to come up with $12,000 for uh, 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 the deductible. Well, I don't know if you guys have $12,000 laying around, but I don't have $12,000 laying around. So I, so the, the guy, the gentleman at the rehab center was like, let me call you right back. He called me back. Not only did my insurance cover the $30,000, they were able to cover my $12,000 deductible because of the CARES Act. Thank you, COVID. So all these things I was so afraid of losing or, or failing or not having, God was coming through and saying, look, I love you so much that I'm going to do this for you. I love you so much I'm going to do this for you. I love you so much that I'm going to restore. None of my friends, none of my friends or family, I thought I was going to lose them because of my lifestyle. None of them. They were all very supportive of me. Even my friends that accepted me for being gay, I was like, how are they going to handle me not being gay anymore? And some of them still are like, are you still not gay? I'm still not gay. It's okay. <laughs> So that's how, through God's goodness, he woos us. Because now if I ever have a come, to, I'm going to come a point in time where I'm like, okay, God, I need you right now. And he's going to say, do you trust me? And I'm going to say yes or no. If I say no, he's going to be like, well, remember that one time I did this for you? Remember that one time I did that for you? Oh, yeah, okay, I trust you. 14-year journey. 14-year journey. Someone asked me, uh, would I do it over again? Well, of course, I don't want to go through a 14-year journey. But I can tell you right now, I'm glad I did. Because, you see, on the other side, I know God's faithfulness. I know God's word. And um, I know that his promises are yea and amen. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.